Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Please enjoy today's message. All right, say it with me. We're a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, I want to introduce our special guest this morning. His name is Mark Bowling. He and his wife, Victoria, have been in the ministry for 23 years. They go all over the world preaching the gospel in some of the most uh, remote locations you could imagine. Nepal and India and the Myanmar used to be called Burma. I forget how many thousands of churches you guys are responsible for. Will you remind me? Jesus, through you, planted how many churches? 11,200 churches because they followed God and followed the Holy Ghost and did what they were called to do. Amen. So without further ado, my friend, Mark, come on up and lay it on us. Jesus is Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. So we want to just thank you for having me in. And um, I wish my wife could be here, but she's not here this time. Sometimes she's with me, sometimes she's not. But uh, we are excited about what God is doing all over the world. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. We were just, uh, as he just said, we just came back from Myanmar. This last year, I was in five different foreign nations, two of them twice. And one of those places was uh, Myanmar. And I, uh, I was there for the first time in the month of September and just came back and tremendous things it's ripe unto harvest but let me just encourage you sometimes believers they have this impression here in america that everybody around the world is hearing the gospel because of tv and this and that and that that couldn't be farther from the truth there are many villages just in myanmar alone that have never heard of jesus christ they've never heard of the gospel there's no church in their community and uh that is the way it is in places in Pakistan and in India still. Tremendous things are happening in India, but you have to understand there's 1.3 billion people who live there. And so it's very vast, and there's at least 16 major languages, thousands of dialects. And so there's still a lot of work that needs to, to happen. And so let me just encourage you to obey the Bible. And to pray unto the Lord of the harvest that he would send, thrust forth labors into his harvest field. That should be one of our main prayers that we're praying constantly, Lord. Send labors into the harvest field. In our conferences, we're constantly preaching and, and, and telling them, we ought not rest till every village has a church. Amen. And once every village has a church, we ought not rest till every street in every village has a church. Why? Because Jesus said in Matthew 28, go and make disciples. Don't stop right there. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Well, there's only one way to do that. The best way discipleship takes place is in the, in the local church. Therefore, there has to be a saturation of church planting. Saturation church planting over a nation in order to turn an entire nation to Jesus Christ. And so um, let me encourage you to pray that way. Amen. Amen. Churches, every tribe, every tongue, every people group 
every nation, every ethnic group to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ on a regular basis. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen. Glory to God. So that's what we're all about, my wife and I and uh, Global Impact Ministries. I forgot to bring a newsletter up there, but back there, uh, if you would like to receive a newsletter, there's two of them back there. Just take them, take them all. Uh, I go home. I fly home early in the morning, uh, Monday. Uh, yeah, today's Sunday, right? Yeah, tomorrow morning I, I fly home, and uh, I don't need to take them. I got a bunch of them back home. And if you want to receive it on a regular basis, um, you can sign up. Uh, in those newsletters now, we do teach. We don't just uh, report about the crusades and stuff that happen, but we also teach. Now, we have one little teaching article in every newsletter. Uh, because we want to get the word out. Amen. It'll be a blessing to you. Praise God. All right. Are you ready to receive the word of God today? Did you come expecting? Praise God. This is not because of our conversation last night, Pastor Scott. I was planning on doing this before our conversation. Uh, The conversation started up even further. So let's go to Jude, verse 20. And we will also go to 1 Corinthians, chapter 14. Glory to God. Jude 20, 1 Corinthians 14. I would encourage you, if you have paper and pen, to begin taking notes from the very beginning because if you get halfway through this and then decide to take notes, you'll, uh, you'll realize you've missed part of it. And we will go through several passages of Scripture, talk about several things, unless, I would say unless, the Spirit of God leads us differently. Amen. What my pastor constantly says, and, and it's so true, and my spiritual father, uh, who's now in heaven, prophesied it for years before he went to heaven. What is God doing today? God is building strong local churches who know how to flow with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So that means a lot of times we come in with one plan and something else happens. If we're following the Holy Spirit, how many know the Holy Spirit, he's not confined to our little mentality. Amen. He's big. He's mighty. And he has a lot of personality about him. And man-made rivers go straight. But a river that's not man-made has a lot of curves and bends. And sometimes it's a mighty rapid. Sometimes it's a calm stream. Amen. And that's how it is with the flow of the Spirit of God. Amen. I think every time we come, we should just wonder what's going to happen this time. Even Pentecostal churches, they get sometimes they get predictable. They ought not be predictable. We ought not to be predictable. Amen. Praise God. Why? Because we're following the Spirit. How many know Jesus wasn't predictable? Sometimes he, he told the ten lepers, go show yourselves to the priests. He didn't do that with every leper he he saw. Some lepers, he laid hands on them. Amen. Some blind people, he just said, receive your sight. Others, he he would spit in his hand and and rub it on them. He, He was unpredictable. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is predictable from the sense that his character is the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. Amen. His will is the same. His character is the same. But the way he does things, sometimes there's variety to it. Why? He wants you to walk by faith. 
Amen. We never want to get into a rut where we think we can just push this button, push that button, all of a sudden God does what we want him to do. You know, no, no, no. We follow his lead. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. Well, I haven't even started preaching yet. But that's good. We need to, we need to heed it. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ for your goodness and your kindness toward us. And we thank you, Lord, right now for the privilege and honor to gather in Jesus' name. And we approach your word with reverence and humility. We thank you that your holy written word is you speaking to us. So we receive it as such. And I thank you that you give me utterance in the Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to know and understand what the Spirit would have us uh, to know, what He is saying. And we thank you for the privilege to be doers of the Word, not hearers only, in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. So did you find the book of Jude, the letter of Jude? Let's look at Jude verse 20. It says, But you, beloved... Building yourselves up upon your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. A little side thought here. The whole letter of Jude, he's actually dealing with the fact that there were apostates that had crept into the church. Sensual men, false teachers, false prophets, men living for themselves. Can you say amen? And he describes them in quite extensively in this letter. But just for, for the sake of time, just look at verse 19. It says, these are sensual persons. Everyone say sensual. Well, that, that, that could mean more than one thing. It's not necessarily, um, uh, not necessarily immoral as far as sexually. It can also mean uh, governed by your emotions. You know, you know, you're sensual. You're dominated by your emotions, your senses. You, you can fly off the handle hmm? in a fit of rage when you don't get your way, right? Amen? Scream at your spouse because you just have a simple disagreement. Hello? Amen? Or, and it can, reply, you know, it can deal with sexual sins as well. Amen? Uh, but notice it says these are sensual persons who cause divisions. Oh, church splitters. Amen. Uh, notice, not having the Spirit. Then verse 20, but you. So in other words, if you don't want to fall into the trap of sensuality, one way to prevent that from happening is building yourself up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Like Smith Wigglesworth used to say, I'm a million times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Your inward man should be bigger than your outward man. And you know it's bigger when it dominates. When your outward man's not dominating you. Can you say amen? We all have room to grow. Amen. Now, go to 1 Corinthians 14. Look at verse 2. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, notice, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. 
Now, notice what it said back there in Jude 20. Building yourselves up upon your most holy faith. Praying, how? In the Holy Spirit. Here it says, he who speaks in a tongue, in the Spirit, he speaks. Now look at verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So you put those three verses together and you can see clearly that when we pray in other tongues, we're praying in the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Now there is, you can pray in the Holy Spirit in your known tongue when it's inspired by the Holy Ghost out of your inward man, out of your spirit, really by the spirit of prophecy. Can you say amen? But I'm here to encourage you to pray in tongues more and more and more. And I'm going to show you why we ought to. The benefits, the purposes. So many, even Pentecostals, even people who've been, let's say, in a Pentecostal charismatic type church or whatever you want to label it as. You know, you have to be careful what you say in certain places because, I mean, there's, there's in India, the Pentecostals, most of them don't speak in tongues. But they don't wear jewelry. They have the long sleeves. And I mean, you can't even wear a wedding band in some of them. My wife and I were at this large Pentecostal church, the kind that they wear all white because they're trying to be clothed with righteousness. They wear no jewelry, not even a wedding band. And, uh, you know, and anyway, my wife and I were the very first people, foreigners, to minister in this church. And the reason why, because they don't trust anybody, because they're too holy, you know, they're holy, you know. And, uh, and uh, the reason why it came to pass that my wife and I ministered there is because God gave the pastor's wife a dream, and we were in that dream. And God opened up a door. So before we're getting ready to go in and uh, go on the platform, the, they had a t- the term true Pentecostal. Are you a true Pentecostal? Which means you dress a certain way, blah, blah, blah. So he asked me, are you a true Pentecostal? And there sits my wife with her wedding band on. I have my wedding band on. My wife has makeup on still because they don't wear makeup, you know. And I said, well, I guess, what do you mean? Uh, what, what do you mean by that? I said, if you mean, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues and operate in spiritual gifts? And the answer is yes. He looked at me and said, that's good enough for me. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. And we went and ministered. People got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, if if you believe it's wrong to, to wear makeup and jewelry, by all means, obey your conscience. Amen. But I'm thankful that my wife likes to wear makeup. Praise God. And actually, she's very beautiful without makeup. Glory to God. So let me just say, years ago, now listen, years ago, as a a seven-year-old child, uh, it actually dawned on me within the last year, um, as a seven-year-old child, I received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior in Sunday school. And it just dawned on me, that was the very first time Anyone told me about his death, burial, and resurrection. I'd been going to church, but all I heard was stories about multiplying the bread and the fish and walking on water, so forth and so on. I had never, I guess, as far as I can remember, never heard about his death for my sins. And that morning, I was asked, do you want to receive him as your Lord and Savior? He died on the cross for your sins. And I said, yes. 
Praise God. And I accepted. But I didn't grow much. I was just a kid just wanting to play sports, hide and seek, and everything that a kid does. Watch TV, you know. A few years later, a family friend led me into the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He showed me scriptures and just line upon line. And in simple faith, I knelt down at a sofa between him and my stepfather and asked my father God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I, with childlike simple faith, spoke in tongues. I didn't see any fire, didn't feel a wind, didn't begin prophesying. In fact, I got up and went back to my childish ways. Wanted to play sports, play. Probably by that time, I was also chasing girls. Who knows? Uh, But uh, didn't grow. Didn't see any impact in my life. Now, something happened, obviously, but I saw no change in my everyday living. But then when I read Jude 20, hallelujah, and 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2 and 4, when I began to see what God is communicating to us in those verses of Scripture and began to put it into practice, there's the key right there, amen, Amen. began to put it into practice, my, 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 my life was different. Things of the world began to fall off. Suddenly I had desires that were the, the desires of heaven, the plans of God for my life. Amen, for my future ministry. Suddenly I began to sense a call of God in my life. Amen. Now when, I read, when I'm reading the Bible, suddenly it makes sense to me. It came alive to me. I fell in love with my Bible. Hallelujah. Now I'm telling people at school about Jesus Christ. Now there was other things involved as well. For example, me consecrating myself completely unto the Lord. Amen. Uh, Dedicating myself to him, surrendering to him. Amen. But with that, I began praying in tongues on a daily basis, every day in my bedroom. When I'd walk to school, I'm praying in tongues, praying in tongues. Now, on Wednesday nights, Friday nights, and Sunday mornings, I'm driving a carload of people 30 minutes away to my church from my school. Why? I'm telling people about Jesus at school. Why? I'm getting full of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? Oh, the benefits, the purposes, the the blessing that awaits you and I as we seek God on a regular basis, consistently praying in other tongues. We are, you know, I heard my my brother-in-law say this many years ago. If you think praying in tongues is boring, it's because you don't pray more than five minutes at a time. Amen. Amen. I heard a pastor recently said, sometimes when you pray in the spirit, when you pray in tongues, it might feel like you're treading through mud. It's such a labor. But if you just stick with it, eventually you become addicted to it. Amen. There's a river that flows out of you. Amen. Jesus said, is any man among you thirsty? Let him come to me and drink. Amen. As the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Are those rivers flowing out of you? Amen. There can be a constant stream. Amen. That doesn't, it doesn't dry up. Amen. Praise God. So, the first benefit of praying in tongues is 
It builds you up spiritually. Well, your inward man is bigger than your outward man. Oh, what a benefit that is. Think about it. Romans 8, verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Well, the most important thing you need to know in life is that you're a child of God, and it comes through the inward witness. Well, how much more then in other areas that are not as significant will He lead us and guide us through that inward witness of the Spirit of God with our spirit? God doesn't guide you through your emotions. And He doesn't guide you through your reasoning and your intellect. He guides you through your spirit. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. That's very important to know. Your mind reasons. Your spirit knows. When God's leading you, when God's directing you, your spirit knows it right down in here. Your mind will reason to say, I don't know about this. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this, what if they say this? What if I lose this? Huh? Your mind will try to talk you out of what the Spirit of God's leading you to do. Are you here? Well, when we pray in tongues, then see the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, when I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. Amplified says it like this, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. So when you're praying in tongues, you're exercising your spirit. Now, how many like to go to the gym? How many hate to go to the gym? <laughs> it's like treading through mud. Amen. At first, you just really don't like it, but then you get addicted to it. I, me, I, I mean, I was like, man, I can't wait to get back to the gym. Except the day after leg day. <laughs> if it's been a month, the actual workout's fine. Yeah, if it's been a month, you might be a little out of breath a little bit, but you, you're, you're fine. You're like, man, I'll just put some more weight on there. Let's do some more squats. This is good. Then the next day comes, and suddenly you are aware of your legs. When you walk up the stairs, when you use the bathroom, that's the worst. Amen. It's just awful. It's just terrible. Amen. What, what happens? You're aware because you exercised it. And when you pray in tongues, while it's happening, maybe not, but eventually... Sooner or later, you're going to become more aware of your spirit, and that is good because that is where the spirit of the living God communicates with you. Amen. Are you here? So many times when you're in the tests and trials of life, things seem to be, your head could be spinning, everything's coming against you. What do you need to do? Run to that place in God and pray in the Spirit. How many have ever been in a difficult situation? Uh, 
How many have done, responded correctly, not every time, but you can remember that time where you responded well and you went to the secret place. And all of a sudden, it's like, that thing is not so big anymore. Then you leave the secret place and all of a sudden, it's still big in all of its glory. Not glory, but bigness. Huh? Right? What do you need to do? Stay in that secret place. Stay in the spirit. Keep building yourself up upon your most holy faith. Not to mention that when you're praying in tongues, you're inspired by the Holy Ghost to address those things. Are you here? Hallelujah. Everyone say, praying in tongues builds up my inner man. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, I want to touch on something else here. Look at verse 2, please. This is, I believe this will bless you. Now, we could just believe with me, just, just you know, be believing God that the Lord gives me utterance because on any one of these points I'm going to talk about, we could spend a long time. So we just want to hit the spots where the Holy Ghost wants us to kind of land. First uh, Corinthians 14, verse 2, notice what it says carefully, for he who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men but to God. Hallelujah. For no one understands him. No one understands him. Everyone say, no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks. Or you could say it like this. In the spirit, he prays. Why? Because you're speaking to God. Prays about mysteries. Everyone say mysteries. Now, I want to talk about that for probably the remaining of the, the service. The word mystery there is used 27 times in the New Testament. Did you know that? 27 times. It can be translated hidden things. Hidden purposes or counsels. Secrets. Mysteries. When you are praying in tongues, you're not speaking to people, you're speaking unto God, and you're talking to Him in the Spirit about hidden counsels. Hidden plans, hidden purposes, the plans and purposes of God. They're not hidden to him, they're hidden to you. But if you keep praying, they'll be revealed to you. Sooner or later, it might be 10 years from now, but they'll be revealed. Praise God. Oh, that's good news. One person said it like this, today's mysteries are tomorrow's revelations to the one who spends time praying in the Spirit. Today's mysteries, the hidden counsels of God, the plans and purposes of God, the secrets of God are made real to you, made alive to you, are revealed to you when you spend time, extra time, praying in the Holy Ghost in other tongues. Praise God. Now, I have found, and I found this through a book called The Glory Within by Russell, Corey Russell. Um, he has his own points, I have, but I've seen things, uh, you know, on my own. But the four things that he, he brings out are right on the money. The four different classifications of mysteries that you can be talking to God about. Number one, about God, mystery of God and his kingdom. Number two, mysteries about yourself. Now, I'm not talking about your flesh either. I'm talking about the real you, 
who you are in Christ Jesus. Number three, mysteries about God's plans. The plan of God for you. Your future. The plan of God for your local church. Amen. And while, while I'm thinking about that, you know, if you're praying in the Holy Ghost about this local church and the Lord reveals something to you, that doesn't mean you're supposed to go to your pastor and say, we need to do this. Amen. God is a God of order and he speaks through the head. Amen. So if you got something in the spirit, you just keep your mouth closed and keep praying it about it. Does that make sense? Don't go talking to other people about it. That's, that causes problems. Amen. Because you might have something, but sometimes the timing's not right for it. Amen. There's a timing. Amen. And see, God always leads through the head because he's the pastor. The pastor's not behind the sheep. He leads the sheep. Amen. So let that uh, heed that. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then the last thing is about people in need. Praying for people in need. If you don't know the details of their life or what's going on, especially if they're in another country on the mission field, that God might be putting them on your heart, but you just don't know. So what do you do? You pray in the, in the Holy Ghost. Now, let's look at these in detail. Look at, uh, if you would, well, Matthew 13, verse 11. Listen to what Jesus said. He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries. Everyone say mysteries. Of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. When you pray in other tongues, the things of the kingdom of heaven will become more real to you. Go to Colossians, if you would. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Now, this verse is a mouthful in the New King James Version. But I want you to hear it. Paul, basically in verse 1, he says, I am suffering great conflict in order for your benefit so that you, right in the middle of the verse, it says, attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God. The mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. It was Paul, now think about this, Paul, the man who was caught up to the third heaven. Jesus appeared to him on several occasions, as well as angels. He established churches all over Europe before the automobile, before there was even electricity. No, no landline, much less cell phone. And this man with the great opposition that always came against him, managed to plant churches all over the known world of his day, specifically in Europe. What a man. It was that man who said in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Hallelujah. Can you say Amen. It was this man who said, oh, this was his purpose. Oh, this is amplified. My determined purpose, Philippians chapter 3, that I might know him. 
in the power of his resurrection. Well, if there was anybody who knew him already, it was Paul. And he's writing this near the end of his ministry. Oh, that I may know him. You know, your highest calling in life is to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's your highest calling in life. Your highest calling in life is not to be an evangelist or a pastor or a businessman, whatever God has called you to do. Thank God for that. But your highest call, your greatest call, is to know Jesus, to know him intimately. And out of that will flow your business, witty ideas, or the ministry that God has called you to. Can you say amen? Amen. The more you pray in tongues, the more this mystery of God will be made revealed to you. Why? Because it says, remember 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, he who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men, but unto God. However, uh, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks. Speaks to who? God. About what? Mysteries. Praise God. Now, if you would, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The second kind of mystery, now we could spend a lot more time on that first one, God and his kingdom. The second classification, you could say, of a mystery that you could be praying about when you pray in tongues is the mystery of what God did for you in Christ Jesus. What has transpired in your spirit when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you here? Is this all right? Let's look at a familiar verse of Scripture. We'll quote it, we'll read it, and then we'll make a few comments on it. Verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. It says, But as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, we sing songs with these lyrics with this verse in it. But most of the time, it's out of context. Did you hear me? Most of the time, it's out of context. He's actually referring to what Isaiah said. Isaiah said. He's quoting Isaiah the prophet, who said it in the context of the Old Covenant. Now, why do I say that? Well, look at verse 7. Actually, look at verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, not, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. It's talking about the principalities and powers. Defeated evil spirits. Verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God, no notice, in a mystery. Everyone say, in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, but as it is written. Then he quotes it. So what is the purpose? Why why did Isaiah say, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard? Neither has entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Because God kept it a mystery. 
The plan of redemption was kept a mystery in the Old Covenant. Why? Because if it would have been laid out nice and clear for everyone to understand, the devil would have figured it out and Jesus would have never went to the cross. Amen. God kept it like a jigsaw puzzle. He'd speak a little bit through this prophet over here. The prophet would be addressing uh, the contemporary issues. And right in the middle of those contemporary issues, he'd say something that was a revelation about the future. And then this prophet, a few hundred years later, same thing, addressing contemporary issues. And then all of a sudden, he'd, he'd give us a little revelation about the future, or uh, I mean, a, a glimpse into the future about the Messiah. The devil couldn't see that. The devil didn't figure it out. Even the most religious people of the day in, in Jesus' day couldn't see it. They couldn't figure it out. And thus, Jesus was crucified. And when he was crucified, the plan of redemption was accomplished. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, look at verse 10. See, it has to be, you have to read verse 9 in the context of everything around it. Verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Jesus baptizes the believer in the Holy Ghost, number one, to empower him or her. Number two, to enlighten him or her. Those two things. Look at uh, verse 12, if you would. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. The Holy Ghost was given to you so that he might reveal to you what has been freely given to you by God. The act of his grace, that when Jesus died, you died with him. When he was buried, you were buried with him. When he was made alive, you were made alive with him. That when he was raised up, you were raised with him. And when he was seated, you were seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus with him. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. Amen. And the more you pray in the spirit, the more you pray in tongues, the more these realities will become real to you. That you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. That you're the very righteousness of God in him. That you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And that you have been given authority through the name of Jesus. That demons are actually afraid of you. That when you walk into a place where there's demons, they are actually afraid of you. Why? Because Christ is in you. Amen. Amen. Like Lester Sumrall and T.L. Osborne used to do, and I do it now. Every time I land in another nation, I say, devil, I'm here now. You lost. I'm here. Your kingdom's going to suffer damage. Oh, that's ego. That's, a, that's just, that's prideful. That's arrogant. No, no, no. That's knowing who you are in Christ. That's something that he did before I was born. He did it for me. It was his idea, and it brought him great pleasure. Ephesians 1 says, hallelujah. It was his idea, the father's idea, and it brought him great pleasure. Can you say amen? Amen. All right, now look at this. 
This, now this is, I always struggled with this verse. Recent days, I got a little light on it. If you don't understand it, uh, oh my. Well, I guess we're not going to be doing all four points. Uh, if you don't understand it, that's all right, just write it down. Look, look at verse 13. It says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. That's this next phrase, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I'm like, what? what? I, used to, I, I don't know how many times I've read that. What does that mean? That doesn't, I, how do I make sense of that? Then I got a hold of an English Standard Version, and in the margin, it says, it could read like this, and it says this, interpreting spiritual truths in spiritual language. Now, notice the context is the Holy Spirit teaching. The Holy Spirit teaching. One way he'll teach you is when you're praying in tongues, suddenly revelation knowledge rises up in you. The scripture becomes more real to you. Amen. Notice, what does it say? Interpreting spiritual truth in spiritual language. When you pray in tongues, interpretations can come. Not necessarily like we, you know, we have this idea, well, I've got to stay up, pray, speak in tongues. I don't like to act like I'm speaking in tongues unless I'm actually speaking in tongues, so I'm not going to do it. Speak in tongues, and then someone's up, thus saith the Lord, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's fine. That works. That's good. But in your private life, in your personal devotional life, it's probably not going to work that way. Sometimes you could pray in tongues for a couple hours, and a few days later, suddenly, you get the gist on the inside of what you were praying about as you're reading your Bible. It's like my, my stepfather, he shared some of this, uh, more about this recently to me. When I was about four or five years old, that's when him and my mom got together, and uh, he was a hippie. Uh, he had hair down to here. You know, he got saved in the Jesus movement. You know, where all those hippies getting saved? Praise God. We need another Jesus movement. Hallelujah. Amongst the millennials, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Amongst those Antifa people and all those people out there, they need Jesus. Jesus loves those people. Amen. We don't want to just write them off. Jesus loves those people. He cares about them. Well, anyway, he, he, this hit my, my, my stepfather. He shared with me in recent years how severe his situation was, even after he received Jesus. Because before he received Jesus, he was not only into all the psychedelic drugs and listening to the rock and roll music of the day. He was also studying the occult and UFOs. He was convinced UFOs were real and, and this and that, and it just opened things up. And I'm sure there was probably a demon inside of him, in his mind, by what he said. The most vile things were tormenting him day and night. The most blasphemous thoughts were constantly in his mind to such a... To such a degree, he just told me recently, he'd be locked in the bathroom and my mom would be pleading with him, please come out, what's going on, let's get help. And he said his mind almost snapped. Even after he was born again. 
He just received Jesus. Someone told him, you need to renew your mind with the word. And so that's what he did. And he began to read, listen carefully, 60 chapters a day of the Bible. 60. He'll admit that it wasn't ethical, but he had the kind of job where he could get away with reading his Bible while on the job. So that's how he's able to get 60 in a day, 60 chapters a day. Most of it didn't make any sense to him. And he likened it, and it's kind of hard for you to relate, even though you did just have a snow. But up north when it snows, the ground is frozen. Everything's frozen. And so the snow will pile up. The the ground's still dry because there's... It's too cold for the, to, to the, for the snow to melt. But once the sun comes out, that snow begins to melt and it plenishes the ground. He likened it. He had a pile of snow on his mind and his heart, but no revelation. Head knowledge, didn't understand what it really meant. But then he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he started speaking in tongues and the sun came out. Suddenly, he had revelation knowledge, and the word became alive to him. And to this day, he is on fire for God. And he was set free in his mind. It took him three years to get free. Three years. But he got completely free. Hallelujah. Are you here? You gone home. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. God has done amazing things for you already in Christ Jesus. And the more you will wait on the Lord, meditate in his word, and pray in tongues, those truths will become real to you. Hallelujah. All right, the third thing I want you to see. Remember, what is a mystery? It's hidden counsels, purposes. Plans, secrets. Let's go to Acts 19. I hope this is helping you. Acts chapter 19. Oh, I like this. So the third classification is when you're praying in tongues, you can be praying about God's plans. God's plan and purpose for your life specifically, God's plan and purpose for this local church, God's plan and purpose for the church at large, the universal church. Are you here? For example, my spiritual father, years ago, many years ago, during World War II, had an unction, an unction, a desire to see the power gifts in manifestation. He felt like there was a lack in his day of the gifts of the Spirit, specifically the special faith, working of miracles, gifts of healings. So he made a commitment, and every morning, five days a week, Monday through Friday, he'd get up sometime in the middle of the night and pray one hour, most of it in tongues, about 45 minutes in tongues, specifically for the gifts of power to be made manifest. And after doing that, Five days a week, in the middle of the night, an hour a day, or an hour every early morning, every, uh, every morning, maybe like three to four or something, and I'm sure sometimes he went longer, but, um, but a minimum of an hour uh, for about 10 months. 
Suddenly the word of the Lord came to him and he prophesied and says, when, once World War II ends, there's going to be a move of my spirit, a healing revival. Well, that's what, exactly what happened. He had A.A. Allen, Oral Roberts, William Branham, Jack Coe, and, and all of these ministers, uh, T.L. Osborne, Morris Cirillo, and all of these guys, and many, many. I mean, I heard, I've heard the stories. There was so much healing in the air that even Baptist pastor who was preaching against healing were getting, getting people healed in their churches. Thank God for the Baptists. Amen. What happened? Well, that was the plan and purpose of God for the church universal. We are still living from the fruit of that to this day. To this day. Amen. Amen. But notice here in Acts 19, verse 21. Now, before we read it, don't look, don't look at it yet. Remember, we just talked about Paul. He had planted all these churches all over the world. He had a very successful ministry. Here he is in Ephesus, possibly one of the greatest works of the Spirit he had seen up to this point. And notice what happens in verse 21. It says, when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed. Notice that. Everyone say purposed. Paul purposed in the Spirit. Well, how did he do that? He who speaks in an unknown tongue doesn't speak to men but unto God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks plans, purposes, counsels unto God. Amen. Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem. Saying, everyone say saying. So you got to say it. You got to speak it out. Saying. After I've been there, I must also see Rome. Hallelujah. Never forget, I was a missionary. My wife and I and our newborn baby were missionaries in Mexico, Sonora, Mexico, in the community of Compass. I'd go to prayer, you know, me, the pastor, and the two Bible students we had. We'd go pray, and uh, just I'm praying in the Spirit, just praying about revival, praying about the plans and purposes of God for my life, and all of a sudden my tongue changed. Hallelujah. And I knew, I think I'm supposed to interpret this. Well, I didn't know. I, yeah, I knew it, but I, I thought it. I, I think I'm supposed to interpret this. And these words came, great, great, great shall be the revival with many signs and wonders. Oh, hallelujah. Well, we've seen a portion of that. We've seen that in a measure. I mean, we've seen, we could have talked really for about three hours, well, more than three hours. We could just talk for hours and hours about the miracles, signs and wonders that God has privileged us to see, mostly just through the preaching of the gospel. Paralyzed people here. We, we were in one place, place is called Putriala, Putriala, India. The community population was 30,000, but it was also surrounded by maybe about 30, 40 villages. After five nights of ministry there, we had over 15,000 decisions. Well, how? Why? Well, when you have people who are crippled healed, news spreads. Amen. Man who was completely paralyzed for two years, laying on his back, listening from his house, stood up healed right in the middle of the message, came and testified about it. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't that a sign? Isn't that a wonder? Amen. 
So that thing came to pass. Another time while I was praying in the spirit, my wife and I, we went to a, a mission school, a three-month mission school in Tulsa. And we would, it was part of the class after the, after the teaching, three sessions of teaching. We'd pray in tongues for 30 minutes. Pray out your future. You could, you know, obviously, you're allowed to pray. You don't have to pray in tongues, but they encouraged it. Pray about your future. Pray out the plans and purposes of God for your future. Well, that's what we did. And we're just walking in the room, holding hands, praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in tongues. And all of a sudden, I said this in English, churches, 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 churches. And we've been seeing a lot of churches. Plant. I mean, I don't plant them. They, they, the, the locals are doing it. But let me give you an example. I was doing a crusade in one place. And after the crusade was over, it was wonderful, glorious. There was another man in the community. This was unplanned when I arrived into the, the nation. This wasn't on our itinerary, but I had some downtime. And this man, for his birthday, wanted to fund a little crusade for his village. For his own birthday, because he had been born there. He didn't live there anymore. And so he had everything. He got the stage, he uh, flyers and sound system and all of that. He just needed an evangelist, and I was nearby. <laughs> Hallelujah. Was, I mean, there's nothing better than doing a crusade that you did not pay for. <laughs> Hallelujah, I'm telling you. So it was the population of this place was 5,000 people, but it was the hub of about five other villages. You understand? In other words, people who lived in those other villages would come to this village to do their shopping. And so we preached the gospel just two nights, two nights, and over 900 people came to Christ without even doing a, you know, usually we do a morning conference three hours a day with the pastors and we emphasize church planning, teaching. We didn't even have that. It was just two nights of preaching the gospel and sweating. Month of May. Have you been to India? Month of May. 120 degrees. Oh, hallelujah. And uh, I'm serious. You take a shower, and before you dry off, you're already drenched in sweat. So I I think last time I checked, there's been over 30-something churches that were born initially out of that meeting. What do you mean? Well, after that meeting, there were five new churches, but then they multiplied, and they multiplied, and amen, churches. Didn't even talk about, I didn't even say the word church planting. Amen. But see, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, especially when you get the interpretation and you speak it out, it's exactly what I believe happened here in Acts 19. Now notice, look carefully. It says he purposed in the Spirit. And he said, after I've gone through Macedonia, I'm going to go to Jerusalem And then he said, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. Now, what is the significance of him purposing in the spirit to go to Jerusalem and then after that go to Rome? What is the significance? If you would, real quickly, just go over to Acts chapter 9. I want you to see something here. Are we doing all right? Oh, it's about, this is, we'll end with this. Hallelujah. I'll let Pastor talk to you about praying for people in need. Hallelujah, which is so needed. But notice Acts 9. Here is the story of when Saul, whom we now know as Paul, his encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's on his way to persecute and arrest more Christians, and Jesus appears to him. He gets saved, 
And then the Lord Jesus appears to a man by the name of Ananias. Now, Ananias was not, the Bible called him a disciple. He wasn't a prophet necessarily. He wasn't an apostle. The Bible calls him a disciple. And he sends him, and I want you to note, to minister to Saul. Now, notice what the Lord Jesus said to Ananias about the man whom we now know as Paul. Look at what it says, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So he goes and ministers to him. But I want you to notice Three groups of people that the Lord Jesus mentions. Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Up to this point, back in Acts 19, when Paul purposed in the Spirit, saying, I'm going to Jerusalem, and after I've been to Jerusalem, I must also see Rome. Up to that point, he had only ministered to the Gentiles and the children of Israel. He had never stood before a king. But after he goes to Jerusalem and is arrested, from that point on, the story changes. And Paul finds himself testifying about the Lord Jesus Christ in front of Governor Festus, Governor Felix, King Agrippa, and eventually Caesar himself. And if you read Philippians, you'll even see that there were believers in Caesar's palace because of Paul. He changed the world. How do you do it? In the Spirit. In the Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, maybe you're not a Paul. I'm not. But I want to be like him. Amen. Maybe you're not called to do the similar. Maybe you're not even called into full-time ministry. But you're like you confessed, everyone's minister. Amen. And God has plans and purposes for you. Amen. And they will be discovered as you spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. My pastor, he has a saying, and man, I heard it years ago, and he's still saying it to this day, and it's so good. Pray it out, then walk it out. Pray it out, then walk it out. Spend that time. If we had time, I could give you more examples, but we don't have time. But spend that time. Give yourself to the, the Spirit of God, praying in other tongues. Amen. And I, I'll be just honest with you. There's been times, especially when I'm fasting, where you'll feel like, what on earth am I doing here? This is such a waste of time. I mean, just, I mean, I don't verbalize it. Those thoughts will come, you know, because you're hungry. How I many you know when you're hungry and your blood sugar level goes down, emotionally see people think fasting some ecstatic experience i no, it's not it's a time of self-examination it's actually a time of self-affliction of humbling yourself and so when you're doing that amen and you're praying in tongues so your mind doesn't know what you're praying about your your emotions are going ah so your mind isn't in charge, your motions, your belly is saying, I'm hungry. I remember never, I, I was 
this is like the first night of a crusade. I'm preparing, I'm fasting, and I'm praying in tongues. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, where are you? Is it going to be okay tonight? Because I was emotionally drained and physically hungry, and my mind doesn't know what I'm praying about. You hear me? But you just stick with it. And you get there, you preach the gospel, you say a prayer, and miracles just start taking place. Hallelujah! Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection, and He's coming back again. We believe.